TV Drama Podcast. I'm Scott, and joining me this time around, well, now that Jimmy McGill is behind bars, my favorite attorney, well, of course it's She-Hulk. No, I kid. It's Brian. How are you doing tonight, Brian? Uh, I hate the name She-Hulk. I prefer to go by Jennifer Wal- Jennifer Walters. No, I'm actually going to refer to you as He-Hulk. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> even, though, even though technically that would be redundant. <laughs> or would it be? I don't know. Is is Hulk a masculine term? Are we going to go down that lane right now? No, we're not. It's actually been, good Lord, has it been like a month, I think? It's been a month since our last podcast. Probably so. And I think where we left it, we didn't know if and when we'd be coming back because, you know, <laughs> all the shows that we plan to do podcasts about, I don't think they're coming back this year. <laughs> so... I figured, you know, at least a couple of us can get together and shoot the shit about what we've been watching for the last month or two or or more, even. Who knows? And Brian was willing to take some time out of his incredibly and sincerely busy schedule to do that. You know, so thank you for, very much for being able to do that, Brian. Well, it's it's good to reconnect and talk about some of the stuff that's gotten me through the late sleepless nights of, uh, you know, working all day and wanting to take my mind off stuff before I go to bed. There's been a lot of great entertainment for us to, to watch. So I look forward to talking about it with you. I look forward to it as well. But as I am always want to do, I'm going to delay that gratification because, you know, that's, that's all I really have in life now. Um, the first time in several months, I happened to peek at our page, I guess he called it the page, on the Apple Podcast app. And I realized that we had actually gotten a new review within the last few months. Now, before I go any further, let me preface this by saying, no, we are. Not, I'm not going down the road that me and Dan did years ago where... There was that one really bad review a podcast got that our podcast got, and we harped all about on it for the next four years or whatever it was. It's not quite that kind of a situation, but I wanted to bring this to light because um, I thought it was interesting. The review said went a little something like, you know, it was basically titled "Someone Else Needs to Speak," and the person said that you know he liked the pod, he's listening been, been listening to the Breaking Bad episodes. But he felt that, although he liked it, he felt someone other than myself needed to speak. You know, he needed the back-and-forth discussion of episodes, not monologues interrupted by, you know, a one- or two-word response from, I guess, Dan. Um, He did acknowledge that he was glad that the Better Call Saul discussions do have other people that speak. So, just let let me just say, and I just use a Brianism, Brian. (laughs) Let me just say. uh, Count how many times you're going to do that tonight. I don't disagree with this reviewer. Uh, the name of the reviewer, I think his name was listed as, and I said him, I don't know if it was a male or female or something else, uh, Jay Carroza, uh, so I don't want to assume it's a dude. Um, I've said a million times, a little bit on the podcast, certainly off the podcast, uh, I do worry about monopolizing the podcast conversation, especially in the instances that he 
he or she cited. Um, that message has also been relayed to me by a number of people via private messages and so on, um, even a few times this summer from a few new listeners. And you're like, you know, you can ask Brian himself, and you know, you know, you know, I've actually been concerned about this, or I've certainly had a lot of talks with Dan about it as well. Um, but I'm not here to make any excuses. That's just how the Breaking Bad podcast generally came together. And I am glad it what I don't think that was the case with our Better Call Saul pods. Um, I do have a little bit more to probably say about in relation to this. I'm going to wait till the final segment of this podcast to go there. So I have no problem with your chosen words there, Jake Rosa. I'm, I'm cool with that. But you gave us two out of five stars. You said you liked the podcast twice in your review. Couldn't you have given us three? Three? I would have been cool with three. Two? Two feels like it's fair. Three is like. One is awful. Two is fair. Three is like. You said like twice. I think you said like twice. Okay, no, you're only, I just read it. No, you said it once and then you said glad. Okay, you said it once. Two stars. Three stars. All right. See, I, I, I had to be petty about one little thing. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. And, and, and we, we don't want charity, be fair. But if you like us, give us three. Yeah, that's what she said. Um, exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's just funny. Nothing in the review bothered me. I mean, he, he, he could have, he or she could have added negative adjectives to the word monologues. I, that I would have, I would have said rambling, droning, boring, whatever. He didn't do that. Or he or she didn't do that. I was like, eh, two. Again, we've got 48 five star reviews, like one one star and one two star. So we still average a five star review, I think, or maybe it's 4.99 or whatever. So I don't care that much. And who really cares at this point? But it would just bother me. All right. But, but thanks for listening. Give us a chance. Go back and add a star. Yes. You have, you have inspired me to make sure that these things don't reoccur. And if you listen to the end of this podcast, um, I'll have more to say about that as well. So let's get to why we're here. Um, Brian, what did, what, which, which one did we want to start off with? Are we, are we going to go to Scott, the we are going to go to Steve Jobs land and begin with Apple Plus. Apple Plus. Apple Plus is the service that I am the most impressed by over the past year. So I, I love going with Apple Plus. Hey, one of the only one of the few solo podcasts I did, which I think were good, <laughs> was about Apple, Apple TV, coincidentally. And I will admit, when I first got Apple Plus, I was underwhelmed. But the content they've added since I had it has made me happy. I stuck with it. And the main reason I got it was you and someone else had mentioned uh, For All Mankind. Uh, and I started watching that. And, of course, everybody was talking about Ted Lasso. And so I watched that. Uh, and then I really got into For All Mankind. Uh, and and then, you know, other stuff has been added. And we'll talk about some of that other stuff. Yeah. And, again, I, we're probably going to more focus just on what we've seen more recently. So... I mean, obviously, we can acknowledge, like, Severance was amazing. I also watched it, like, six, seven months ago, so we wasn't planning to talk about that. Plus, at this point, you all know it's amazing. Um, so, honestly, on, on my end, the only things that I've watched on Apple TV um, over the last few months I can, I, that I can think of was, obviously, um, we were watching For All Mankind together. We actually, we actually podcasted about the first... Was the first half of the season something yep. like that? The only other thing that I watched on Apple TV um, 
uh, in the late summer was probably finishing up uh, Shining Girls, the the series with uh, Elizabeth Moss and the actor whose name I know you probably remember, but I always forget the fellow who played uh, Escobar in uh, Narcos, who was exceptional. Um, so I, I don't have a lot to say, but I feel we should at least take the opportunity to kind of wrap up our conversation about For All Mankind that we started, good Lord, three, four months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to do a mea culpa right now. And then I'll throw it to you. In our last podcast that you and I were talking about For All Mankind, we ended up having a conversation about who we thought was a better captain. And I believe you were pro-pool, and I thought Baldwin was the best there. Understood why you picked pool, but I said I thought Baldwin was definitely the one I would go with overall. Having watched the rest of that season... Although I still would stand by Baldwin being an, an excellent captain, but when push came to shove and what was dealt with for the, la- the remainder of that season, I gotta say, I think you were right. I think Poole would be the person to go with overall. Um, I, I think she's just, she's more pragmatic and she's just, I, I think, she, and she's less likely. Uh, I, I love the fact that she is less likely to let emotions guide what she does and how and how she acts as opposed to Baldwin who does who can let that impact him from time to time um so it it's interesting it's it's almost as if Baldwin's kind of the Kirk and Poole is more may, maybe I know I probably should say Janeway but I don't really I don't I'm not that Voyager is the one I've only watched I haven't seen the first season or two so we're going to go Picard <laughs> Because that's usually the debate, Kirk or Picard. Um, I'll I'll give you a Picard in this instance. <laughs> and if Dan was here, he would have said, how do you leave out Cisco? How do you not say she's Cisco? I was like, you know what? You're right. I like Cisco better than Kirk and Picard. She's Cisco. Almost just Kirk. <laughs> well, I, the, the, thing, uh, the thing about Poole, what I like about what the show does is she is more – She's more pragmatic, less emotional uh, than Baldwin, but she's not completely devoid of emotion. Uh, and you see her give shit back when she gets shit uh, this season, both to the Russians, to Baldwin. Uh, she stands her ground and can get a little, uh, uh, a little fiery, but she she doesn't take it too far. And when whatever is over is over, she does her job. It doesn't stay with her. Ed has a problem that things stay with him, that, that he holds grudges. And certainly Danielle, Danielle could have held a big grudge and been like, screw you to him. Uh, but she didn't. Um, so I, I think in looking at the ideal captain, if those roles were reversed, I'm not sure he would have been able to save her because he would have been busy beating the hell uh, out of somebody and not, you know, immediately putting together a rescue effort. Now, not that he's not great and heroic, um, you know, and if you were in a foxhole, he'd be a perfect person to have beside you. Uh, but, but, oh, yeah. that, that, but that, that, that's a, that's a different question. Absolutely. But, yeah. but, but I think, you know, in the moment of uh, the crisis struck and, and the, why it struck and then the way it happened, 
she was the perfect person to be in charge of the effort and, and lead the effort the way she did. Right. Absolutely agree. So as far as the season overall, and again, when we last spoke, I believe we were, I don't know if we were at the midpoint or maybe we had gotten six episodes into it. I don't recall. Not important. Doesn't matter. Cause we're not just we're, past the midpoint. I yeah. think we were a little bit over half. Yeah. And, and plus I'm not really going into specific episodes here. Um, I'm just giving my overall opinion. All right. And I, I suspect we're probably, we're pr- we, while it might not be the same paragraph, we're probably on the same page at least. I'm susp- I, I believe. I put it this way. Is the third season as good as the first two? No, it's not. Um, but you could say that about, you know, any number of seasons, about any number of really excellent TV shows. So that's, you know, what seasons are going to be weaker than others and so on. Um, there are storylines that I just was not as, um, enraptured by, so to speak, or I found a, a bit more tiresome in the third season than I had before. Um, I had no issue really with the Mars part of it. Uh, actually, I, I actually got a kick out of the Mars race and having a situation where you have something almost reflecting, you know, the, the Bezos and, and Musk's of, of the world now by having a private concern or, or Virgin having a private concern involved as well. I, I kind of liked how they jumped the gun on that. That was kind of fun. But yet there were characters I just grew either weary of or just out and out disliked any of the screen time I had to spend watching them. Those brothers alone, the Stevens brothers, they're the worst brothers since Cain and Abel. <laughs> <laughs> and I, there's a whole lot of brothers I could have used, but like, no, I'm, go- I'm going biblical. I, I, I just, I sp- particularly the one who's not the non astronaut one. Um, uh, Jimmy, don't care what his name is because everything I hated everything from his hairline to his whininess to the stupidity with him with the oh I I, I won't get into it I just I, I hated it Danny I I, I I I we're obviously we're supposed to find be, get get annoyed and tired of him pretty quickly but it it just it took up so much of my time and I just was like I really. I, I just find the time with you unpleasant. So that's kind of an issue, but at least he, he's set up almost, they're both in, to a certain degree set up almost like vil, you know, semi villains or unintentional villains. So you can get away with that. The fact that I also found as I, I start, I realized by the third season, you know, I don't, I've, I've been having a hard time really believing the whole storyline with the astronaut who became the senator, who's now the president and everything. And I think there's interesting things there, but at a certain point I was, I just became like, I don't know if I'm really even buying a lot of this. And it just seems very forced to me. And that kind of bothered me too. Maybe it's because I was never a big fan of her character or her, or, or the husband either for that matter. And again, a lot of screen time taken up with them. So I, I, I agree with you about that storyline. I didn't find it as compelling. It was interesting to see that that couple, you know, basically used their skills, each different, to get to where they were. But, you know, the, the secrets brought them down. But I, if I had to compare, I thought a much better storyline 
was the astronaut who came out on the moon. Um, and I forget his name, but the, you know, who was incredibly brave and he, he was the one that sort of spurred her to take action because of all the things happening. Um, his storyline worked in a way that her personal story for me didn't work as well this season in the past, their storyline I thought was more compelling, uh, because she had the space program to lose. Um, and that seems terribly unfair, but I think lying, lying to everybody in the way they maneuvered and, and sort of the politics of it, uh, it's not as, uh, it's not as unfair that, that she would be punished for lying. It, it's unfair morally, but in the real world, we all know what, what those results would be. But even, you know, in the real world to punish an astronaut because of who they are seems kind of stupid. Uh, so I, I, I thought that bringing it back to that astronaut who came out, you know, uh, on Mars, I thought that was that was the best part of that. And I will agree the Stevens brothers. I mean, man, if if boy, if if I could ever punch a face the the, the younger brother has the most punchable face in the world. Uh, but Danny, you know, and, and they have this whole thing that lingers over the season. You know, I don't know about you, but I felt like. Like Jesus is—is is he ever going to tell him he screwed Karen or not? And they—they they use that tension, you know, that, that does keep you tense. But I thought they relied on it a little too much. I, you know, either he decides not to do it or he does it, but quit teasing us with that all season. Yeah, absolutely. I was very frustrated by that as well because it's like that's what this is all based around when we see these moments between him and Baldwin, and I kept—I kept thinking. Wait. Okay, we're we're gonna okay we're gonna keep that bullet in the chamber. Okay, but it's it's gonna get used eventually. It kind of has to be, and then it never was. And it was like, am I supposed to think more kindly about him because he didn't? No, because I, he's a jerk. So, yeah. I mean, I like again. I like the show. I like the season. It's just I don't know if maybe. Maybe there was something about it where I felt the, with the exception of the, as I always like to say, the bonkers ending. I'm going to use the word bonkers a few times in this podcast, so, I, you know, so be prepared. Um, seasons one and seasons two, and I meant the season two ending, still felt fairly uh, grounded. And everything felt like, you know, okay, th- I can imagine this is how this would go and this is how it would happen. And I, I love this alternate, you know, universe idea, whatever. There were just too many things which I just th- just felt strained to me in this season. Like the things I've already mentioned with the present. Like the, like the storyline, the ongoing storyline with, um, oh gosh, what's her name? I should have written down character names before we did the podcast. The person, basically the person who was in charge at NASA and the whole situation with the Russians. And again, again, talk about something I was hanging over. It's like, okay, we're spending the entire season just waiting for, you know, what's the face to, okay, we're waiting for you to put it all together. Even though it seems kind of obvious at a certain point and you keep going, oh, it must be her secretary who did this. It's like, you really? <laughs> It took you an extra three episodes to to realize it was her. 
And then when you tell the guy that was, you know, her, you know, one of her right hand men for so long, he right away is like, I'm, I'm going to call the FBI. I was like, all right. I just, I don't know. I, I, You're thinking I, of Margot Madison. Thank you, Margot. I should have remembered Margot Madison. Thank you. Has that nice alliteration? Should have. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. It's the, the MM thing. But um, I liked it. I just didn't. This falls under the I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I felt like I loved the first two seasons. So it's I didn't dislike it to the point where I don't want to. I'm not. I don't want to see the fourth season. I was just kind of like, oh, I, I hope the fourth season's better. I hope it's a show that has that traditional, the fourth season rocks, because so many shows have excellent fourth seasons. I'm hoping that happens for, for all mankind. Well, I and, and just to put a bow on this conversation, I will say the thing I, the things I did like, um, I did like Kelly, you know, Ed's daughter. I, I like that character. Uh, I thought like her integration as a bigger part of the cast this season, uh, she was sort of a ray of sunshine against the, you know, eternal darkness of the Stevens uh, twins. She, she was, she was a bright ray of sunshine. Um, I like the, the combination of the crews, the Russians and the Americans. And I like the surprise introduction, you know, of the Korean astronaut. Uh, so I, I and, and let me just say the thing I think if, if you watch a Ronald D. Moore show, ding, 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 one. Uh, if you watch a Ronald D. Moore show, uh, his his attempt to depict space is pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. And some of the visuals uh, this season, their depiction of Mars, of, the, you know, sort of the landslide, the, the hill collapse, uh, uh I mean, it's it's a visual treat. The storytelling is 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 ranges from great to good, but it's always something amazing to look at. And there were a couple of shots you and I talked about this season, uh, like the beginning you know, of the first episode where Danny goes flying off into space, and uh, some of the stuff is is just amazing what they can accomplish. So definitely, you know, a thumbs up. Uh, I think from both of us, not as enthusiastic maybe in the past, but still a good show. Yeah, absolutely. Now, like, like I said, I hadn't really seen anything else more recently on Apple Plus beyond um, Shining Girls. And, I, and that was kind of a while ago that I watched that. Um, so all I would say about that was like, hey, if you guys, if you haven't seen Shining Girls yet, watch it. It's really good. Um, <laughs> look, yeah, exactly that, what I don't want podcasts to ever do. Hey, it's really good. Anyway. Well, I will give, I will give, and, and we're not going to talk about them in detail, but, you know, as a newer Apple Plus person, I sort of alluded to it, but if, if you get Apple Plus, the things I would recommend you to watch is watch Mythic Quest, yes. watch For All Mankind, definitely watch Severance mm. uh, if you haven't, um, and I'll give a shout out to something that, you know, it affects my local community, watch the Big Con documentary, it's about a uh, local lawyer, you know, from a couple hours from here that basically uh, signed up a whole bunch of people for Social Security and some of those uh, applications were deemed fraudulent. And the community here is still dealing with the fallout uh, because the Social Security Administration, for the first time in its history, just took away a whole bunch of people's benefits, all the people that were his clients. Uh, And it's a really compelling story of, uh, of you know, a, a really charismatic, questionable guy that morphs into, you know, the, the damage that happened to the people from the government and the aftermath. So 
it's a it's a really good story. Uh, you should you should check that out. It's it's done well, told well. So those are my uh, Apple Plus recommendations in addition to what we've seen. And and I will ask you, Scott, I don't think you've seen this. I I was going to talk briefly about Blackbird. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you watched Blackbird? I have not. I'm aware of it. I've heard good things about it, but I've not checked it out as of yet. Um, I'd recommend it. It's uh, got, is it John Paul Hauser? uh, Mm -hmm. Played Richard Jewell in the Clint Eastwood movie uh, in a, I forget the the main hunk's name. I don't remember uh, who it was that that played it. Taron Edgerton, maybe. Yeah, is the is the main character. But uh, interesting story. But the the delight in that show is uh, is for the first time in a long time. Greg Kinnear plays a big part in that show. Ooh, uh, I didn't know Greg Kinnear. And that. he he plays a detective, which is not the type of role you are accustomed to seeing Greg Kinnear play. And you get to see one of the last on-screen performances of Ray Liotta in a, right. in a in a heartbreaking role. Uh, in, a, in a really not heartbreaking because you know he died, but the, the character he plays, the story is is kind of heartbreaking. He plays Taron Edgerton's father, uh, who's dealing with him being in prison. So uh, check out Blackbird. Excellent. I have been meaning to check it out. It's just you know time trouble. Um, yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, I I made a number of Apple Plus recommendations on the podcast I did at the end of last year, so those all still hold true. And the only things that I've seen that or that have shown up on the channel since then are the much aforementioned Severance, which is easily one of the best series we've both seen this year. Um, Obviously, for all mankind, uh, Shining Girls, which hey, it sounds like it was built for me. Wait, you've got. A serial serial killer and time travel involved? Sign me up. Um, Very well done, actually, and some good performances. And, you know, Elizabeth Moss once again taking on a role, which, wow, you're really not Peggy anymore, are you? (laughs) Are you, Lizzie? Yeah. Um, And I do want to check out Blackbird. And one last thing before we move on to our next streaming service, Dice Field, this is the right time to mention it. As much as we already are fans of Apple Plus. It got reported within these last several hours, or 24 hours, whatever it's been, that there will be a new series sh- showing up at some point in the near future on Apple Plus. It'll be a series, you know, coming to us from Vince Gilligan, starring Ray Seahorn. I mean, I'll tell you right now, if we're still doing a podcast, we're going to be podcasting about that show. It's an It's an automatic. <laughs> It just, okay. Either one of those two people being involved would have made it a must. You got them both in there? I'm sold. If, if Vince gave me his home address, I'd just mail him my wallet. I mean, you know, I, I give him all the money. I'll watch whatever he does. He has, he's earned that. Uh, I think I, in the 90s, he, you know, the equivalent of, of him for me was David Fincher, that if David Fincher made something, I would watch it. Uh, you know, but Vince Gilligan, uh, you know, give him all the money, give yeah. him all the chances, and yeah, I'm le- we're we're gonna we're gonna definitely have to do something about that. Oh yeah, I mean, again, if assuming we're still doing this podcast, that we can, that's other than the shows that we that we're, we're waiting to come back, like like the Perry Masons, like the eventual Fargo and stuff like that. That's one 
we don't know what the title is. We don't know. We, all we know is that he says he's tired of doing shows based around an anti-hero, so it's going to have a more positive thing. But it, I don't trust him when he says that. Um, <laughs> and you, by the way, you know that he's going to end up reusing some actress from one or both of his other shows. I'm, I'm not saying any of the big stars are going to show up, but you know someone's going to show up. Jonathan Banks is going to need some work. Come on, he's got to show up at some point. <laughs> and somewhere between X Files and Better Call Saul is is a really interesting uh, area of land to explore. He'll be his own version of the Twilight Zone. What's going to happen? And Razor will just, will just be the host. All right. So let's move on to the next. Let's stay in the letter A. I don't, it's one I don't have as much to say about, unfortunately. I'm going to switch over to Amazon Prime. Now, the only thing that I've really watched that's specifically an Amazon Prime series over the last couple months, and just finished it this week, in fact, is uh, season one of the new series uh, Paper Girls. This was a series that kind of... Either they were promoting it themselves this way, or just you know the buzz or the hype or whatever you want to call it had a very, it was supposed to have like a very Stranger Things kind of look or feel to it, whatever. Um, it shares a little bit of DNA with Stranger Things, mainly because you're dealing with kids from the '80s, I and and a more crazy, fantastic uh, storyline. I really wouldn't take it much further than that, though. Um, this is a show where. Even when some of the effects or some of the plotting can be a bit over the top or not, you know, this isn't a show that has like a $20 million an episode budget, let's put it that way. I'm not saying it looks bad, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not for all mankind looking either. Um, it's about the kids. And I, we know that I don't generally like kids. <laughs> I mean, on, you know, TV and movies or, or, in, or in life. The kids on the show are great. They're just, they're, each of them to a different degree is totally believable in their parts. Um, I especially want to give a shout out to the actress, uh, Sophia Rosinski. She plays the character Matt Coyle. Um, brought me, made me teary. Eh, I'm not, I, I say teary like there wasn't tears actually coming down my face. Made me cry. Made me cry. However, I cannot believe that Amazon Prime is not bringing this back for another season. And that's not just because it ended on a cliffhanger, which makes it even me even angrier about that. Word is, hopefully it does get picked up by another service. It, the show feels very Netflixy to me. So it almost, it feels like they sh- should jump on it because it kind of goes into that sweet spot of, of a stranger things, of a lock and key, of, of those kind of shows that are based around, you know, younger actors and these crazy circumstances. Um, the one that had, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, I forget what it was called. Uh, the, the Lemony Snicket one. Was that, um, yeah. All those the series of unfortunate events. Thank you. Which, uh, did that show end? Oh, like, oh, I guess it did resolve it. I kept thinking we we're going to get another season. Of it, but it ended, didn't it? Um, anyway, it's, if, if you don't mind knowing that it's going to end with a cliffhanger, and you just want to go on the hope that it will be picked up by somebody else, and I keep thinking it will be, it's worth watching. The kids' performances really make it worth watching. Beyond that, uh, I, like I was saying, 
and I don't know if you're in the same boat as me, Brian. Um, my thing with Amazon Prime, if, for me, it always feels like there's a bunch of series I always sort of kind of want to check out. But outside of just a few, like, you know, The Boys or Mizell or Invincible, I never quite move myself to actually give them a try. I'll put up a thread for them on Facebook, but I won't actually watch Outer Range or Night Sky or Wheel of Time. I still haven't checked out the Lord of the Rings or Rings of Power show as of yet. I, 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 I will eventually. I just haven't gotten to it yet. So I, I did watch Outer Range and Night Sky. Like them both. Uh, would would recommend them. Um, Invincible, I thought was amazing. Uh, that's you know for is great regardless of the fact that it's animated. Probably one of the best sort of superhero stories with amazing voice talent um, out there. But I, I did watch Lord of the Rings, uh, and, and I would say it's it's worth watching. I think the there are a lot of shows we're going to talk about uh, that there seems to be a lot of gatekeeping on that, that people, you know, want to preserve some idea like they were – you know, Tolkien's best friend. So therefore, you know, there can't be black elves, which, you know, the, the, my favorite, you know, response is the meme. It's like, okay, you believe in magic dragons, orcs, you know, all this, but you know, no clan of elves could be black. Like, you know, it, it, there's some ridiculousness around it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it finishes, but, uh, you know, I, I'm watching it. I can't say I love it, but I like it so far. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the main stuff I've seen on Amazon. Obviously the stuff you mentioned, you know, the boys, that's, that's one we're all in on that you podcast with Jamie about. Uh, but I, I mainly use Amazon as sort of a gateway to other services. Like I use them to go to go through to Paramount and, you know, cause I don't want to have 50 different accounts for, you know, the stuff I watch. I used it also as my gateway to AMC when I, I, I had AMC for better call Saul. Right. But, uh, they have some good stuff. They're not at the head of the pack. Uh, but you know, by and large, I use them as a gateway to other services right now. Yeah, I think I use them more for that than anything else. And, I mean, I am aware of a number of other shows on the on the, like the ones I just mentioned, obviously, and a few others. You know, people have been on me to watch, check out Bosch one of these days. And I was like, no, I'm sure it's fine. I just, it, there's nothing that makes me want to, oh, I need to sit down and watch this, you know. Um, there's another show that just popped into my head. No, it popped, is The Expanse on Amazon Prime now? Is it? Yes, and shame on me for not mentioning it. Mentioning it because it is, it, it's a great show, yeah. and it's that it, 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 you should watch that for sure. It's probably the the sci fi show I've been told the most I should be watching, and I feel like I started to put on like the very first episode, and maybe I saw like the first five minutes, and but I put it on when I was sleepy, and I kept waking up, and it was like forty five minutes into the episodes, so I had a go back to the first five minutes and I fell asleep again. And I think it's happened two different times. Like, okay, I'm not meant to watch this show. It can, it can hang out there with the, uh, the underground railroad thing that, uh, that, that Jamie person you were referring to keeps wanting me to watch. <laughs> Cause I don't know. Who well, Jamie. I, I think you would like the expanse. I, I liked it quite a bit. I'll get, I'll get around to it eventually. Um, and as far as what you said about the, uh, the black girls. Yeah. 
Yeah, we 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 can we we can get into all that at some point. I, I part of, part of me thinks you've got generation of on the one hand you've got like generations of people for the last hundred years that were brought up on things like like movies where pretty, pretty much every historical figure turns out to have a British accent. And, and, you know, as, as, as white as white can be, even if they were, even if the entire story takes place in the Middle East, but they're, but they're all quite white, whatever, to, you know, characters of fantasy that, you know, whether it be, whether they be humanoid or creatures or whatever, but apparently, you know, the feeling always has to be, well, they were, they were white before, so therefore they should always be white. And I'm like, well, no, that's not really how it works. You know, the, the, the little mermaid thing is insane. You know, that's just, I'm like, she's a fish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love the one guy who's like, well, technically she should be translucent. Shut up. Just, just be quiet. Oh my God. You know, we, we didn't need you to act like you're the, the second coming of, you know, Neil LaGrosse Tyson, whatever, because you're not. Um, and th- when I heard the thing about the uh, with the rings of power, with the, them reacting to the elves and whatever, I was like, "Really?" But they're doing that with e- it's coming up with everything now. It's, oh yeah, it's yeah. well, you know the o- the only thing that's kind of I find fascinating about all that stuff, and then I want to want to get away from this already is I like the well, I don't like. <laughs> I find it amusing that every single fan base has this cancerous aspect to it somewhere. There's a seg- there's a and there are, there are loud and vocal segment. I will say, generally speaking, they're the minority of that fan base, but you see it now with now we're seeing it with the Tolkien people. We've seen it for the last several years with the Star Trek people, which was a shock because if there was ever something that was based around being inclusive, it would be Star Trek. Um, we're seeing it with Game of Thrones right now, or, or you know, House of the Dragon specifically. We've been seeing it with Marvel and DC. It, it goes on and on and on. It's just okay, you know, no nerddom is safe anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's sad that that you know when I was growing up and probably I mean we're about the same age when we were growing up being a nerd and liking this kind of stuff and being categorized was all about being an outcast. And, and so when like that sort of ascended, you would have thought it would be, you know, universally inclusive, but nothing can be universally inclusive anymore, I guess. So, right. uh, but enough of that, let's, let's talk about, so let's talk about another streaming service. Well, you would actually include me into where we should be going next, because like you, I use Amazon to access other things like, as you said, Paramount plus, um, Paramount Plus, which is, you know, used to be, you know, CBS All Access, but they decided to change it to Paramount Plus so they could show these really cheesy spots on CBS all the time. So, um, there's a few things that I've watched all in the last couple months on Paramount Plus. Um, the first one I'd like to talk about, and we've rep, I believe I've referenced it a, a few times on the podcast before, certainly on the best of one of the, at least one of the best of that we've done. We just uh, finished uh, season three of Evil. I love Evil. I also really like the TV show. But anyway. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm, wait, here we go. Wait. 
There we go. So, it's a show. It's a series. I'm going to say this has been getting better and better from season to season. And I mentioned earlier, I'm going to use the word bonkers. There is no show that deserves the word bonkers more than evil. Every, I mean, it started out in season one. Michael Emerson's character, he's just bonkers. <laughs> you know, it's like storylines. Everything that's going on with Christine Lottie has, you know, the, one of the main characters, um, mo- mother. I mean, she, from season one, I was like, oh, she must be loving the scripts every time they, they show up for her. And she's out of her freaking mind, whatever. Um, I think the performances seem more nuanced and have, have improved from season to season. Not that they were bad in the earlier seasons, but I really think, um, you know, Katya Herbers as Kristen is really good. And I didn't really, I don't know if I thought that earlier on in the series, but now I do. Colt, Mike Coulter as David, he's always, he's always solid, whether he's on this or Luke Cage, or when he was on The Good Wife, whatever. And I think the MVP of the series, and most people would think I would say Michael Emerson. No, Michael Emerson is just loving chewing up every bit of scenery possible. Asif Manvi as Ben is so good. And it's funny, because when we first meet this character, we, we, we think, oh, okay, they brought in an actor who's basically known as a comedic performer. Most people recognize him from The Daily Show and things like that. And so we know he's probably going to be the smart ass. He's going to be the comic relief of these three. Because the way I would describe the show to someone who hadn't, hadn't ever seen it, it's like, well, you know how the X-Files was about, you know, two people working for the government, one's a skeptic, one's not, and they're trying... Now, you, this show, you've got three people, but they're working for the church. One's a skeptic, one, one's devout, one's kind of somewhere in between. You know, she's, it's kind of like... You know, two of the characters are like Scully split in two, essentially. Um, so, but instead of uh, instead of aliens, it's demons. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the the great thing about I I feel like this show really was um, unleashed by going to Paramount Plus because it could be more mature uh, this season, and and it was kind of jarring the first time to hear him curse because you don't see it on the CBS show, but. Um, it, I thought this it just keeps progressing and getting crazier and crazier, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's some additions this season. Uh, I think, is it Tim Matheson that plays a, a bigger role? Yes. A, a bigger role. You know, he's a nice addition to the cast. Uh, and, and I have to say, um, the girls, uh, you know, to have a large number of, children um you know the girls and the family dynamic with with uh, Kristen really works and and the grandma helping out uh but yeah it, it's it's a wonderful show uh and it has some of the greatest uh and I should just say I have to give it huge credit sort of the opening uh a title scene where there's always a different like like one of those books where you pull the tab they design a different one every show for the episode, specifically related to the episode, and and the thought and the artwork on those are just staggering. It's funny you should mention that. I feel that should be the opening, and that should only be the opening. The only thing I don't like about the show, and it's the most nitpicky of nitpicky things I could ever pick a nit on here. (laughs) 
I do not care for the new opening credit sequence at all. It goes on forever and not in a good way. It, it went from being something I, I liked the idea that before it was something that's very quick, brief and subtle. And now it's the, and, and deliberately. So I get, I get what they're doing. I get why they're making it so over the top. I don't find it to be a good reason though. I, I think I'll use a little, I just, I, I don't like the visuals. I don't even like the fact that even the fonts seem to be too crowded onto the screen. I just, again, I said it was very nitpicky. It doesn't affect the show at all, but I don't like it. And we're probably going to talk about another show, which is has a very strong link to the show, obviously. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like their opening credit sequence either. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with with with. I don't know what's wrong with the Kings. Why they, they suddenly keep doing these really annoying credit sequences? It wasn't that way with the Good Wife, man. Other than that, everything else. I I adore about the show. Even the kids that could be potentially be and and actually can be really annoying at times, but it's annoying in the right way. It's yeah. annoying in this weirdly believable they're they're loud, they're talking over one another, there's a sense of chaos and but it's always very believable to me. And when they do have storylines that involve any of the kids specifically they do a darn good job, I think. I, Absolutely. And the other person that we haven't, one of the other people we haven't mentioned, I mean, there's other people, I mean, it's, it's great that they have Walsh Sean is now on the show, and so, because, you know, it's Walsh Sean. But you got Andrea Martin, and she's playing Sister Andrea, which that alone made me laugh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she is a fascinating and great addition to this show ever since she she first appeared. The episode where she's walking around uh, Katja's house and basically, you know, beating up every demon with a shovel while one of her daughters is trailing after her. It's so hysterical. It's just, it's such a well-conceived show. It's one of the only shows that makes me go, really? I kind of wish they went back to the network model because I I, I wouldn't mind having more than 10 episodes. I'm not saying I need 22 but, you know, 13, <laughs> but, you know, 13 evil. Come on. How can you not do 13? But, um, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the show. I, I just adore it so much. And I want Carrie Preston to show up on this show. She needs to be on the show, make an appearance on the show as a character. It's Michael Emerson's wife. I've never seen the two of them actually act together. I haven't looked on IMDb to see if it's ever happened before. But she was one of the best characters we ever saw on The Good Wife, and I think she's also yeah she made a, she's made an appearance or two on The Good Fight as well. Um, I'm not saying she needs to be that character, although that would be amazing. But uh, <laughs> although we're going to talk about something, which means that there actually might be a big link between these two shows, those two shows. Yeah. Um, anyway, love the show. Uh, I've already mentioned a few times. It seems like a natural shift to go from evil. To the good fight, which is also from Robert and Michelle King, uh, the previously the creators of The Good Wife, and they also did that really almost psychically prescient show, a limited series that one summer called Brain Dead, which was all about the impact of politics on politicians and aliens in their heads, uh, whether they were Trump or Hillary supporters, and when you see what's happened 
over time since then, you realize, wow, they really got it right. <laughs> they, were, they were spot on. But we're here to talk about The Good Fight. Season 6 just premiered a couple weeks ago. We're only a few, so only a few episodes into it. Um, basically, if you, for anyone who hasn't seen it, if you watched The Good Wife, you should watch The Good Fight. If you didn't watch The Good Wife, at some point you should try to correct that. Find wherever it, I'm assuming it's, it's probably on Paramount Plus. I would guess. It seems like it would be a, C, a CBS show and all. And then watch the Good Fight. You can watch it without it, of course. You don't need to have seen it. I think it would enhance the experience because you will grow to love the character of Diane when you watch her on The Good Wife, and then you get to see how she just takes off in The Good Fight. Christine Baranski can do no wrong. Um, they've again. It turns out this is going to be the final season. Um, which is unfortunate, but you know, it's six, six, that's not bad. Um, they've brought in some heavy hitters uh, to the cast and there's, there's been excellent cast members in the past who aren't there anymore. Like, like your Delroy Lindos and such. Um, but the fact you, you're bringing in John Slattery as a recurring character in this episode, season, you're bringing in Andre Brower, um, who I have the utmost admiration and respect for as an actor and the range of roles he's done that I'm aware of over the last 35 years or so. And good Lord, you brought back Alan Cumming. I'm hoping he's in more than just a couple episodes. We'll see. We've seen him in one so far. Um, and I'll, I'll say one last thing and then I'll, I'll flip it to you because I know you just started uh, watching all this stuff, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. Uh, if I'm wrong, I apologize. If, as has been now reported, this is going to be the final season. I'm pretty sure, I think Baranski herself was talking about it, because she didn't realize it herself, apparently. I, not not to be kind of fan service here, because I usually hate that phrase, whatever. I wouldn't mind maybe a few other good wife returns on the show. As long as it works for the story and makes sense. Which, so far, so good with how they've handled things. I know Margulies, I'm pretty sure Margulies is out. And and Although I think she was referenced recently on on one of these episodes. But I'm thinking, why not bring back Matt Zuckery in an episode who played Carrie? I I would love to know what happened to him. You know, you could could certainly bring back Archie Punjabi as Kalinda for one episode, especially since we got an inspector with these guys. That would be an interesting dynamic. And if, you know, if Margulies isn't going to be around, there's no reason that Archie Punjabi can't be there. You know, I just, and also I miss seeing some of the attorney nemeses or the judges that would show up from uh, The Good Wife. They they still do use them. I mean, we just saw, I think Richard Kind was a judge in one of them. And I'm pretty sure Richard Kind played a judge on The Good Wife as well. And they, and they have used different judges. And I believe they've even brought in, yes, they have brought in some of the, 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 the opposing attorneys every once in a while. I hope they continue to do that because I love this shared universe, whatever. It's it's just been a lot of fun, um, and I'll you know what I'm gonna let you I'll let you give your two cents on it, and maybe you 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 can even take the point that I was gonna bring up, but I'll let you do it instead, right? If you like, I don't know if I'll make it or not because I I just finished the season before the new one. I haven't started the new one yet, so I'm caught up and getting ready to start the new season. Oh. Uh, but but. You know, a few weeks ago, I'd sent you a text uh, when I was digging in early on. I was like, man, it's just good to see a lot of Delroy Lindo. Uh, you know, early in this show, he he carries 
a lot of weight. Uh, but then the cast grows and you get to know them. Uh, it's, it's really neat. And they, they integrate, bring small pieces in. I mean, some of the great, some of the great, uh, sort of appearances is, you know, you get Margot Martindale, uh, one of our favorites. You, you get her on this show. She has a recurring role. Uh, Gary Cole's back. We get Gary Cole as, as Diane's husband, uh, who's great on the show. Uh, and we get some real, you know, scummy opposing counsel and some dirty tricks. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really neat show. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the courtroom stuff is is pretty interesting, uh, and and I, I've I've enjoyed it. The Good Wife, you got me into that, and so I followed up with a good fight, and uh, I really enjoyed. I look forward to how it will end because if I'm honest, the the season after everybody left, where it was sort of uh, uh, you know the battle of the wills last season. I, I, I liked a lot of the season, but the main through line uh, uh, sort of drug on a little long for me. Mm-hmm. I sort of thought Diane's character would make a decision one way or another faster based on some of the things that happened that season about her future at the firm. Uh, but I look forward to seeing how it all ends. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 there, there was, there's a bit of meandering there with that storyline i think i also grew i will say i grew just let me say i'm just kidding uh i did grow a little bit weary of hitting the political stuff as much as they were yeah and you know it 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 may be right alongside or, or right along with my own political philosophies you know and I won't even. I don't need to get into that. There, you guys can guess how I feel about that. But I felt it was a bit much, and it was a bit too. It was too often for me at times. I just like okay, all right. Not that I didn't agree with it. I was just like okay. Come, it, it's real. I felt it was. Re, it, it was at a certain point. It just it was relying on it too much for me. And then so you had a couple story. You'd have the occasional storyline which made me kind of go. Oh, I'm, see, it, this is just getting a little silly now. But. um that's really not the case with the show anymore. The thing I wanted to mention, uh, I, it's not really a spoiler, Brian. You can put your fingers in yours or something, whatever. So the Wallace Shawn character that we knew from um, The Good Wife has shown up on a number of times on The Good Fight um, and has been linked to a, now linked to a new client for one of the new young attorneys on the show. And... In a scene in the latest episode, um, someone is going over who his previous employers have been. And when they mention Lamon Bishop, who was the character that Mike Coulter played um, on The Good Wife, he may, he, what he says is that, no, he went to prison and found Jesus. God, found Jesus. He's, it's a whole new life now. And I went, oh, is David not his real name on evil? <laughs> In case anyone's not getting it, it's the same actor. So Anyway, and also the fact that while Sean is now a character also on evil kind of made it very beautifully incestuous. Yeah, it 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 it's a really 
great. Uh, it's a really great show. And I have to say one of my favorite uh, guest appearances is, I believe is Fisher Stevens making himself look as unattractive as he could possibly ever look. And is just as disgusting and, uh, incompetent, uh, but but there are all kinds. I mean, look, every episode you'll find a, a character that wanders in for the episode that that you'll really enjoy and appreciate. So definitely check out check out the good fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I, I mean, I do have a couple minority opinions that, I don't, that other people might not necessarily have. Uh, I feel I feel a little bit of Sarah Steele's character, Melissa. A little of that goes a long way with me. I've, I grow tired of her at times. And the character that Rose Leslie plays in those earlier seasons, I pretty quickly had no use for her pretty soon. I, I felt she added nothing to the show. I, I thought she, I thought, I thought her character was a struggle from the get go. I think she was even struggling with the accent, quite frankly, which seemed to not, not be spot on from time to time. That her and the, and where that storyline eventually goes, I was just like, yeah, can can we just write her off the show already, please? Because I'm just I, I'm, I'm I've had enough of this. So, well, I I liked her more at the beginning of the show when she, when she had uh, you know, when she had one eighth of the cast when when she became larger and larger, there would still be great stuff. But yes, she kind of had a shtick that that sort of went on now i will say uh i like jay de persia nyambi nyambi's character uh I, and i grow i grow increasingly uh in favor of him a, as the show went on and he's just a badass on the show he plays the you know probably the top investigator for the firm and his character some of the storylines he goes through and follows um it, it, it are really really good so i i you know strong cast uh we got to see uh zach grenier or grenier come back as david lee who's you know the biggest dick maybe ever on the history of the show and plays it so well uh but yeah definitely check out the good fight absolutely so there was another series that i finally um it fell under the category as i've, I've referenced online uh, shows that I put threads up for for every episode, but never actually watched. Um, two of those shows I think we are going to talk about on a future podcast for that we'll be recording next week. But one of them falls under the Paramount Plus umbrella, and that would be The Offer, a series that was supposed to be about uh, what really happened behind the scenes of the making of The Godfather and all the trials and tribulations and you know, the chaos that went on before that movie came to hit movie screens and become a part of the fabric of cinema and even, you know, the, uh, this country, quite frankly. So, finally saw it. Basically, as me being a, more than a bit of a cinephile, cineast, film fan, whatever, there's nothing Hollywood loves more than Hollywood. And I always enjoy... I, well, I shouldn't say I always. I often enjoy movies or TV series, usually movies, that are about the making of movies. You know, whether it's the player, whether it's, you know, and you can go on and on, you know, singing in the rain, you know, they all have that aspect to them. 
And there, when I started out watching this series, like, was that, like, especially like that very first episode, I was impressed as hell with how much information they were packing into this one episode, which while I guess to some degrees it might have been expositional, it was so vastly entertaining and it moved at such a nice pace. Um, and I'm already have a certain amount of familiarity with a lot of the things about the Godfather and, and just movie making in general. So I was following it without needing any, I didn't need any uh, cheat sheets to figure out what was going on. Um, the problem with the series, there's a few, um, what was it? Was it 10? Epi- it was 10 episodes. This should not have been a 10 episode series. That's insane. Ten and these episodes—they're not short episodes. <laughs> I believe they're roughly in the hour range or somewhere. I think one of them's even longer than that. Whatever. The series shouldn't have been three times longer than the Godfather. It shouldn't be longer than the entire Godfather trilogy, quite frankly. <laughs> um, they have a tendency to make the main character, the you know, the essentially the producer that uh, Miles Teller plays, who t- and the guy is still alive. He's actually one of the producers or executive producers of the series. Hmm. They make him just a bit too much into this golden god hero that you know could do no wrong. Was able the guy fixing and taking care of everything. I you know what? I I wasn't believing half of it. I was like, no, no. Too much. It was too much of it. it. Was like no, and the the more implausible it became to me, and things like I don't think that's how that happened. The more I got annoyed with it, the more I got annoyed with the fact that you're showing me so many details about the making of this movie, and yet I I realized by the time we get to the point where the movie is you know going to be in a theater, hey, you know what you never showed me? You showed me like eight million other things. You never spe- You didn't spend a second telling me about the music. Music's kind of a big thing with that movie. Godf- one of the most famous things about The Godfather is the theme. Never mentioned, you know, never... Because we're spending times with Coppola, with Puzo, with all the different producers, with Robert Evans. And if I'm going to speak about something I do like about the series, Matthew Good's Robert Evans is fantastic. I love the, I love the, I love the voice and the affectations he takes on. Anyone who's ever heard of or knows Robert Ev- knows about Robert Evans knows. Oh yeah, he's got it. He he probably could have been a bit more tan. <laughs> quite frankly, <laughs> I think I, maybe they were we- worried about it would c- come off looking too cartoonish. I'd be like, hey, go look up some film reels or some photographs. He's 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 like a shade lighter than George Hamilton. You could have gotten away with it. But beyond that, I, I really loved the character and what they did with it. It, even that kind of does, though, get dragged out to a point of, okay, can we, you know, speed this up a little bit? But uh, it's a series. I really loved it. And then as each episode wore on, I found myself, uh, I kind of like it. Now I like it. Now I'm kind of in the, I think I'm barely tolerating it now. The last episode, we're spending more time with the producer wanting to make, you know, the longest yard rather than The Godfather. I'm sorry. I'm here to watch about the Godfather. <laughs> Give me a little bit about Godfather too. God damn it! <laughs> you know, it's it's the galling thing. Like you, they they act like we're supposed to care more about the main the main character in the storyline. It's like no, I didn't believe him to begin with. I care more about guess what? The Godfather. Give me more about that, not about this guy and him trying to get this movie made. 
the other thing I didn't really, well, you know what? The other thing I didn't mind because there's no way you're going to recast all these iconic actors and you're not going to be like, you know, that doesn't look like Burt Reynolds or that doesn't. They do a nice job with Marlon Brando though. The guy who plays Marlon Brando and that would, I, and I would even say that is the most difficult of all the famous people that are portrayed in this because how hard it is to avoid going into caricature because everyone's done a Brando impression and whatever. He really balances it without being over the top at all. And there are certain shots of him like, okay, guy's doing a good Brando. Also, the actor they got to play a young Pacino. Very good. He really, he got the sound of the early Pacino, the, 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 the 19, 1970 version of Pacino that we saw in The Godfather and Serpico, that kind of, where he still had more of a high nasally voice before something happened where I guess he smoked 18,000 cartons of cigarettes and all of a sudden he started talking like this all the time. But, um, I thought those were two that they really got spot on. And I think it's because they, we knew that they were, any character that we we're going to spend a lot of time with on camera, they really went the extra mile and cast them well. When it was someone who wasn't going to be there for more than like a scene, I felt that guy doesn't look or sound anything like Robert Redford. Come on, guys, you couldn't do a, you couldn't have done a little better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mister, hey, Mister Pitt, would you mind playing Robert Redford for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> that the the show, I, I greatly enjoyed it. I will point out. I think you've you've hit on it. It probably needed to be six episodes. Yeah, I six. think would have maybe been the sweet spot. Six would have been nice. Um, you know, uh, maybe a, a, a get the rights uh, pre production movie reception, and that be the sort of story of the Godfather. I think it probably serviced Al Ruddy more than the Godfather towards the end, and that was part of your complaint. And and if if you're gonna say it's all about the Godfather, it, it it's not all about the Godfather. Now, the credit I'd like to give it that you don't see, and I wasn't expecting to see, is the relationship between Ruddy and Betty, the secretary. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of shows uh, what might have turned that relationship into something unwholesome, um, and it actually was just a really nice professional relationship with a nice payoff uh, in the end um, that that all the work that she puts in to help him achieve his vision uh, you know it, it was nice to see and Juno Temple doing a yeah. know, American accent doing a good job I really oh yeah I thought she was definitely one of the best things about the uh, the overall production um, acting was actually I mean I liked a lot of the actors in their roles. That was, in fact, that's what kind of made me stick with it because, you know, whether it be Matthew Goods Evans, Juno Temple's performance, I really, I really enjoyed all the time we spend with her on camera. Uh, I got a kick out of the guy playing, uh, Coppola, who I recognized. I remember seeing him. He was on uh, one of the later seasons of The Walking Dead. I remember I recognized him from that. I think it's Dan Fogler. I think you're right. Um, I thought for putting aside the fact 
oh my god, he looked like him. So he really, they really nailed that. But I liked his performance. I loved the guy doing Mario Puzo. I had to go back and look like, oh yeah, that is kind of what Mario Puzo looked like. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I kept hoping for, are you going to make more of a reference to the fact that you're going to, you were the guy that ended up working on Superman? Cause I, give me the reference. Give me the reference. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, oh, even the, well, Colin Hanks playing the, 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 basically a little bit of the, 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 the asshole executive archetype, whatever. So it's, 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 it's probably the most thankless role in the whole thing, I would say. But, you know, so I, but, but we'll give him props for doing that because he, I like the fact that he will play a character that's not likable because he's, he's a Hanks. So he's, yeah. you know, so whenever he takes a role that's not, quite that likable it, it, it you know it's kind of like a harder version of the character he played on the monica Lewinsky thing that they did um where he was kind of a character who you kind of want to like but he's kind of an asshole too um i can't i didn't look up the actor's name but the one who played the head of uh gulf western who's in charge who basically owned the studio um and he's an actor who normally plays villains um we've seen him in a burn gorman Thank you. He every other time I've ever seen him, he's always playing some creepy ass villain. You know, yeah. I think he's shown up in a lot of things. No, I think he's shown up in some Nolan movies and a bunch of other things. And the fact that, that that's not he he got a chance to play this part, he's a lot of fun. I mean, he's he's a little cartoonish, but I'm betting that 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 person really probably was a bit a bit like that. I really enjoyed that. I'll give you someone I didn't enjoy, and then I'll then we can move off in one of the worst casting parts of the whole thing. And since he showed up a bunch of times, it really bothered me. And I knew the actor; I've seen him before, but he seemed like someone who just came off, you know, your an, an, some typical CBS Thursday night lineup show from years ago, whatever. They couldn't have done a better job casting Sinatra. He didn't. I, and I, 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 again, I didn't. I don't have the actors' names in front of me. I apologize. I, I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I deliberately did this podcast without much in the way of notes. But he's an actor I've seen on TV shows before. Like I said, I, I guarantee if I looked him up on IMDb, I, I will bet anything he's been on a number of CBS TV shows. And I don't mean to knock CBS TV shows. I used to watch them too. Your, your CSIs and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure he's on one of those goddamn things. He didn't look anything like Sinatra. He didn't sound anything like Sinatra. He didn't have the presence of a Sinatra. He didn't have the intimidating factor of a Sinatra. And that really bothered me because it's like, there's nothing about you that makes me think you're Sinatra. And you're not a good enough actor to make me, to change my mind on that. It's not like Anthony Hopkins being Nixon and he looks nothing like Nixon, but he's so riveting. You forget that this guy was not riveting. It was just like, no. That, that that again, it, it's not a huge thing, but he does show up a number of times. That is kind of a key thing, in the, especially in the early goings. The person that we I did not give the love to that I want to, especially because it was such a different role that I've ever seen him take before. And he's an actor I really enjoy in everything I see him in. You mentioned X Files before; he's a former X Files actor, Giovanni Rabisi. He's he's so much fun. I I really oh, this, as 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 goofy as it, it got a little bit here and there. I did really enjoy all the stuff with the with the actual mobsters in New York. Um, him being the, like the main one, um, he was great. 
I really enjoyed that. That that was another one of the saving graces of the show because, like, oh, I know a little bit about some of the mob situations that were happening around the making of the Godfather. I don't. Again, I don't know how much of this is true or not. I know some of it is. I know there were issues with the Teamsters and the unions and and, and stuff of that nature. And I know that that politician. Uh, I, I I knew about. He's always he's a notorious pain in the ass. Um, but he's just a lot of fun. I, I love seeing him. You know, he. And I'm sure he enjoyed playing a part where he could have you know with with the uh, with the, comb, the, the with the weird comb over and and you get get all be hunched up and you know have the the prosthetics whatever. I I really had a a lot of fun watching him on on camera. Yeah, and and it was uh it was nice to see a relationship that was uh a real relationship and not cartoony and that you actually thought these men from different worlds really could be friends on some level that, you know, that through this, they, they became friends. It was great. I, I will say the, the guy who played Sinatra, I, I did look him up while you were talking and I, he was on criminal minds on CBS. So, so you score a point for you there. <laughs> uh, but I, I'd, I'd wondered where I'd seen him and I'd never, I mean, like you say, it wasn't noticeable enough that I ever thought to look him up till I just saw it, but he did play wild Bill Guarneri on band of brothers. That's where I had, had probably would most That's recognize right. him That's from. right. Band of Brothers. You're absolutely right. I do know him from that. Right. But the way he was, I, I, I love that, that you tracked that down. Okay. So he was very much like a, hey, a guy with moxie in the, from the 40s, whatever. And that's basically what he was at Sinatra in 1970. He, I don't, yeah. You know, he's basically that guy at a tux. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> Um, let, we can, let, let's take a quick dip into Netflix. So, um, you, now, are you watching Cobra Kai or have you watched, are you early on it or what, what's the situation? I haven't started the latest season because I'm going to watch that with my son and we uh, haven't had time to watch it yet. That's, that's a show we watch together. Uh, well, probably only want to spend a minute or two here anyway, so we can move through things a little bit quicker here. Um. I would just say Cobra Kai. It's pure, unadulterated, cheesy fun. I personally have never seen a Karate Kid movie after the first one. Maybe more on that later on this podcast. Um, so, obviously... But I love the fact that they will use any number of clips from the subsequent movies to fill in the information for someone like me who who, who has a vague knowledge of what happened in Karate Kid 2 and even the third one to a certain degree. Uh, I think I bailed by the time I got to Hillary Swank, but I, I've never seen any of those films, actually. The only thing I'll say about it, then, especially because you haven't seen it, this latest season... Um, oh, it is it is is an infinitely bingeable show. It's one of those I'll let me just watch one more. Oh, let me just watch one more kind of shows. It, and I, I don't know why it is. It 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 it's not like a pulse pounding intense show or something. But you can't. It's just like I can't help it. I'm just gonna. I I, I can. You, you can just watch three or four at a time and not even blink. I think. But this last season, I will say that Thomas Ian Griffith does play a really fun bad guy. He kind of takes over the main villain role from Martin Cove's crease that we had seen in all the previous seasons. Although we do get a, a, a we do get a, a decent helping of crease throughout the season as well. But Yuji Okamoto, who 
people recall from um, things like, well, he was actually in Karate Kid Part 2, and he's also shown up in a couple other films of, of renown, but I won't get into that. You guys can use IMDb yourself if you care that much. He steals this season as the character Chosen, the character he played in um, Karate Kid Two, um, I will say he really is the chosen one here. <laughs> but, um, again, it's cheesy. It's silly. You, you, you pretty much can, the, 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 there's a certain formula to every season and you know it's going to follow that formula. And you, no matter what the different obstacles might be, it's like, all right, well, let's get, let's get to the big tournament and let's get to the big fight. And, you know, and, and something horrible is going to happen to somebody and you know, whatever. And we go along with it. The fact that they are able to, I, I hate to use a word like dredge, but I'm going to use it because I'm, I'm a bad person. The fact that they can just dredge up all these actors and people from these movies that were made 35, whatever years ago from, you know, you know, whether it be, oh God, if I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on everyone's name. Uh, but was it Babka? Yeah. Oh wow. I actually got the name. I should be using, I should use the character. Whether it be, from Danny to Johnny to now Chosen and Cree. It's like, geez, how old is Martin Cove anyway? Because <laughs> I remember him on Cagney and Lacey, for God's sake. Um, it's a, it's just a fun show. It's just a fun show. I mean, I, people were asking me, is it really good? I was like, well, it's, it's good fun. I mean, especially if you're an 80s guy, and if you like the, you know, you have kind of like any kind of nostalgic feelings about the original Karate Kid movie, you know, whatever. I would say watch it if you're into. It's a show that doesn't take itself that seriously. It's worth you know. It, it, it's good. It's fun. It, it it's a show that the way the way I've described it is when I watch that show, I feel like I did when I was a kid watching the A Team. <laughs> I, I wasn't looking for you know. I wasn't looking for a great performance. I wasn't looking for you know to, my soul to be fed. I was looking for my prime animal brain to be stimulated and entertained. There are moments that genuinely make you laugh. There are, are moments that, you know, are pure nostalgia. But it it's basically it's basically a loving uh, a loving nostalgic look at the the minor characters of a of another show mm-hmm. and giving you their side of the story. Uh, and fleshing them out in a way that that ultimately was surprising, rewarding. And you have to you have to admit, I mean, for a show to start, didn't it start on on YouTube? Like it and and it, it, be, it came to Netflix from yeah. I think YouTube. I, I think it was, it was the, either YouTube or Crackle or one of those one of those. Other yeah, I think it was YouTube, was and YouTube. you know became such a sensation that it you know made its way to Netflix, and now it's one of the most anticipated. Netflix shows, so you oh, know it's, it, it's it's wonderful. It's unbelievable that it's how it's grown in popularity from how it started. Absolutely, the only thing I would push back on nothing you actually said. I, I thought you were going there, and I was going to go. Oh, please don't say it. But then you didn't. You came really close with the A team analogy. But uh, I know one of our listeners uses this term with me. I get annoyed with him. I would not go as far as to make the show sound like it's a guilty pleasure i i think no you didn't say it so i I know you didn't uh one of our one of our listeners whose name i will not say for a change um always refers to it that way it's like no 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 no. it's not a guilty pleasure because there's there's too much good or decent character work on this and you really feel invested in these characters and you know it's 
it's it's actually it it does a lot and you don't realize it and we uh, I, when i refer to it being cheesy fun i'm going by the surface level of it but there's a lot more you can go you can get into and the fact that they are actually covering issues that you don't even realize what they're doing that they are dealing with issues of racism of class between people and whatever there's a lot going on here and the fact that they're not it's not compressed into some you know hour 45 movie it's over the course of a 10 10 episode right 10 episode yeah. season whatever and yet it never it unlike the offer, it doesn't feel stretched out to me. You no, know, it, it, it the the pacing is good, and and I think one of the one of the most uh, interesting things it looks at in in a couple of different characters is it looks at what what is masculinity, what does it mean to be masculine, uh, what does it mean to be feminine? You know, if if a girl does karate, is she less feminine than a girl that doesn't? If if a guy uh, has a certain idea of what it means to be a man, how can he be challenged by the kids of today? And, uh, you know, in a really good way, in a really uh, a positive way that confronts things head on. So, yeah, I think we're in total agreement. I would say uh, uh, Cobra Kai is a show you can watch and not have to think too much, but you definitely will feel. Right. Uh, and uh, the only thing I would add to that is um, one of the things I really think is really fascinating about the show. And one can say, oh, that's a little comic booky or cartoonish or pro wrestling y, whatever. It's like, yeah. But I like that your attitudes and, and feelings towards characters can change from from episode to episode to season to season. There was even a, a stretch there, if we're talking about the overall history of the show. Where you go into a show thinking, oh well, Ralph Macho's Dan- Danny—that that's the good guy. That's the guy you're rooting for. There's a period there where it's like, eh, he's—I'm not saying you're setting him up as a villain, but you're not setting him up as the guy I feel like I'm supposed to be rooting for as much as you know Johnny is at, at certain times. And then you see that happen with a lot of the different kids. There's kids, you know, and, and how they change. And and it's like, it's almost like professional, like, you know, you're a hero, you're a heel, you're a hero, you're a heel, whatever. But it's done, I'm not going to, I mean, look, this isn't, this isn't the, 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 next, the next wire, you know. But there's still something at least earnest and thus believable about it because people you know especially people of a younger age you know you want to be part of something whether it be part of a clique or part of or you're looking for a place in life or whether it be friendships you know communities whatever and that's what the show is really kind of about um and these little things that, that form with their um dojos and whatnot it's a good show it's just it's fun you know it's it, fun it it, it really is and um, I, I'll just end by saying that, you know, when I was a kid, there was a, sh- a small period of time where I think kids even today that I was fascinated with martial arts and the idea of ninjas, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. you know, and uh, this sort of harkens back to that time where you, you think, hey, there's this secret thing that, that by being interested in, you know, I'm I'm accessing something people around me don't that that's out of the ordinary. But I, I think that that the idea, the central idea of the show is it's looking back on something from the '80s and telling new stories about it to show how people change. And the show stays true to that in that the characters change throughout the show. 
uh, you know, they don't stay the same, just like Johnny Lawrence uh, isn't the same person he was at the time of the Karate Kid. And uh, the, the exploration of that and the issues around it, it it's, it's just it's, it's well done and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. One, one silly sen- thing I'll say in a sentence and we'll move on to something else. Um, I didn't realize until today. So the kid Diaz, which means his mother's name is Diaz, and her first name is Cameron. So his mother's name is Cameron Diaz. That Dutch. Wow. I just that, that's that, that's they that they made that decision. <laughs> okay. Um, you know what? It, it, since it came in August, you want to talk a little bit about Sandman? I absolutely would love to. So, talk about Sandman, then. (laughs) Sandman is something I've been looking forward to for a while. Uh, I was curious how well it would be done, how much money would be spent. Um, Neil Gaiman is obviously fantastic. I love his books, uh, his graphic novels. I really look forward to it uh, without spoiling too much that the show tells a few uh, of the stories over its episodes. Uh, it is uh, beautiful. The the uh, visuals are stunning. And I, I, I haven't read much about it because I didn't really want to see other people's opinions. I love the casting uh, of the, the actor who plays Sandman. Uh, I love the secondary characters brought into it. Uh, and I will say it's a show that my son, when I was watching it, he was like, what's this? I said, it's Sandman. Or do you want to watch it? He's like, no, that looks dumb. You know, in typical teenage fashion, he probably thought it was, you know, a bunch of goths getting ready to listen to my chemical romance. Uh, but he, he no offense to my chemical romance. But uh, so like, you know, a week later, he comes downstairs and goes, Dad, I just finished Sandman. Like it, it hooked him in and he watched it. Now, he wouldn't watch it with me. He had to pretend he wasn't watching it until he finished it. Uh, but but I think it it's really... Uh, uh, it's really an interesting take on the idea of, of you know, personified gods or person- personified aspects of of the gods. Um, and I I really enjoyed it. Um, I know Gaiman was telling people watch it as much as you can if you want more of it because it's super duper expensive. It looks super duper expensive. Um, it it's really neat. I like that. Uh, Constantine, a Constantine appears in it, which if you know the history of, of Hellblazer and uh, Sandman, there's some crossover there in the graphic novels. So uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I liked that they released a surprise episode. Uh, you know, it sort of had two stories in it after the fact. Um, it's probably that and Stranger Things are my favorite Netflix things of this year. Hmm. Um, I think I agree with uh, a lot of what you said. Most of what you said. Maybe all of what you said. 
Uh, I absolutely first first and foremost, Tom Sturridge. He definitely pulls off a more than decent Sandman from what I know of the character. He's like a more approachable and less makeup wearing Robert Smith. I really um, in, enjoyed him in the part um, as it went on. The thing with that character is because he's not a very emotive character. Um, it's sometimes it's sometimes it's a bit hard to hook into him, you know, because he's he has a very passive way about him. Um, but there are certain episodes where you kind of feel you get to know his character a bit more. And, and again, if you have seen the, the, the original comic book, and cause I, I just won't use the word graphic novel. Um, everyone else does, it's fine. Um, it's like it came off the page. Not that characters need to look like they came off the page. It just, with his character, it just happens to be that way. Um, there are, as you mentioned, uh, f- at least a, a few, if not more, uh, notable performances in the overall in the series. I love Boyd Holbrook as the Corinthian. It took me, I don't know how long to, for my brain to acknowledge that this was the guy I saw in the first couple seasons of Narcos. I didn't even, I mean, I think he lost a little bit of weight because his, his face seemed thinner, but wow, is he really a lot of fun and great in this. I'm going to me- screw up her name, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Vivian Igampong. Igampong. I'm sorry. I apologize if I've mispronounced her name. I'm known for it. The, car- the actress who played Lucien. I thought she was fantastic. I loved every moment she was on screen. I loved the interaction in the, between her and uh, Sturridge's Sandman. And that, that's actually, that was one of my favorite things about overarching about the entire series was the relationship between those characters. I almost wish there could have been a little bit more of it, but you know what? There was just enough. Um, and I don't, even though it was only one episode, I mentioned about characters that look like they just came off the comic book page. This would be a case where the, the actress did not look like the original character, and it didn't matter one stinking bit. And it goes to what we were talking about earlier when you brought up uh, the situation with the idiots and their views of race and something like Rings of Power. Um, they have Kirby Howell Baptiste, uh, a black actress, playing Death. And Death was certainly not black in the comics. It doesn't matter. She's so good. She's fantastic. I, I, give me, give me a sub series just with death. Give, give me, give me like a six episode. Doesn't have to be ten. Give me six. Actually, whatever number. I, I, I definitely, if this show should, should be brought back for a second season and you can find articles that have come out just in the last 12 hours talking about the difficulties of it between the cost and Netflix and, and Neil Gabe, everything you just mentioned moments ago. Um, hopefully the fact that it's still being talked about everywhere makes me think at some point they, they will green light it. There seems to have been, there seems to be a lot of issues with Netflix over the past year. Um, maybe it's because of all the competition, maybe the binge model, as I kept telling you people isn't working as well for them financially speaking. And just why rumors are Netflix is probably going to be moving away from that model in the very near future. Told you so. Um, but they really, I would anyway, back to her as death. The, she's fantastic. The episode, one of the two best episodes of the series is the one that focuses on the relationship between Sandman and death. Um, the, um, it, it comes right after the other, greatest episode of the series which 
we'll just say, takes place pretty much exclusively in a diner. And a lot of bad things happen. <laughs> As for what you said about Constantine. Yeah, this is... See, this is where I... See, this is one of those things where I fall into a little bit of a problem. So, um, look. I'll, I'll be positive first. Because uh, there's no winning here for me. <laughs> no matter what I say. I know that. <laughs> and, and, and I'm aware of my own hypocrisy and how my... Suppo- even when my supposed liberalism can come under question. Because, you know, like... But when someone brings up things about changing a character to a you know to a person of color, or whatever, and someone's like, "Oh yeah, well, what if they made a new Batman and he was black?" I'd be like, "I," um, and then it's like, "Well, if it's a good actor, I'll be fine with it." But at the back of my head, will I be fine with it? I was like, "I think I'd be fine with it. I should be fine with it. Who cares? I don't care. Everybody'd be fine with it." But he still needs to be a billionaire. But you could be a black billionaire, right? I guess. Sure. Gonna get myself in trouble. Um, here, look. They turned John, we'd go from John Constantine to Johanna Constantine. Jenna Coleman was really good in the part. I thought it worked well for the series. It, it, it was, and I had no problem with it because it worked for the story. I'm fine with it. However, did I not feel a pang of sadness or missing the fact of why I really would have loved to have seen the character I know as Constantine interact with the Sandman in this, especially this actor, whether it be bringing, once again, bringing Matt Ryan into yet another show as Constantine or recasting it with someone else, like the, like that guy who, uh, who played kind of like the, the fake Constantine <laughs> on, um, oh God, what's the show I'm thinking of that we watch? Uh, Titans? No, the other one. Uh, Doom, Doom Patrol. Patrol. That yeah, actor, the actress who was also one of, yeah. who was also like the lawyer from Battlestar Galactica. He's he's basically like Constantine, but you know, yes. without who lost his hair. Um, I understand from what I I believe there were some rights ish or other property issues with DC where they didn't really want the character to be used on this because of where he's being used elsewhere, and that was what led to them making uh, Neil Gaiman. And it was Neil. You know what? Neil Gaiman himself, I believe, made the decision, and that's another. Thing. If it's the creator, the guy who did it in the first place, I'm okay with it. You took an idea that there already was like these uh, ancestors of Constantine who were Johanna Constantine, and they just brought it to the to 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 later day version. From what I understand, I'm okay with it. It didn't piss me off, but I just go. Oh, but I really would have liked to have seen it, especially because this is a Netflix show. So he could have. I could have actually gotten to see him smoke. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Got an NBC show. Oh, no, we can't show smoking. He's on the CW show. Oh, no, we can't show smoking. When the one thing that Constantine does constantly is smoke. <laughs> you no, know, oh. constant nicotine, Constantine. Yeah. Look, look at you. Yeah. So, I hate you. No, I, I understand, but I, I think you raise a good point, and that is, you know, if you if you want to criticize a lot of the creative choices, Neil Gaiman was involved extensively yeah. in this show. And so, you know, like if you think you know sort of the source material better than him, take a hike. Yeah, that that's why I once I knew I knew that pretty much from the get go. So I was already like, okay, I'm going to be okay with this because the person behind it who created these characters was okay with it from the get go. So I'm cool with that, especially when you consider the history of comic books. Um, how many times there were over 
that where the creators did not have a say of any kind in how their characters were going to be depicted, whether it be in live action or animated form or even future books. You know, they were pretty much boxed out of the whole deal. I love that Neil Gaiman um, had a very strong voice and uh, in this entire uh, endeavor. And I do hope we get another um, season of it. We'll just have to wait and see. So, Scott, I have a question. Yes, sir. We have a few Disney shows that we want to talk about, uh, but we're getting close to the cutoff time. So I'm curious if we might want to pass this and maybe catch another episode or two of those shows and include those with part two. Yes. I, I was actually, I, I briefly muted my microphone. I was going to type a little message to you. And then I said, uh, I'll just say it. I love the I, I love the fact that you actually were having the exact same thought, and you beat me to it. See, it's a whole new world of podcasting here at STVD. <laughs> um, we had already planned to um, do a second podcast of this nature, where we're gonna, we were going to cover the series that appear on that we've been watching lately on HBO Max and Hulu. Now that we see how long that we've run, which is not a surprise, and we are talking about a lot of shows here, um, we are going to be adding Disney Plus to that mix as well. So that would include two shows that are currently on that we're both watching, and as well as one that ended, I guess, a couple months ago, but I actually only caught maybe a month ago, so it falls under the category of I can talk about it. Um or I can just say, and or Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk, attorney at law. Um, get ready for the rant about that. Not about the show, about the idiots out there who are knocking the show. Yeah, so we can do that in the next one. Um, we're pretty much finished with Netflix. The only other thing I'll say, and I'll give me 30, see if I can do it in 30 seconds. Lock and Key finished up with season three. It was not memorable. I can barely remember what happened. That's not a good sign. It wasn't bad. It was just, eh, okay, is it over? Okay, fine, great. I, I don't, I'm, whatever. Uh, at times, the season kind of plays like a silly farce to me. You know, it's uh, nine, 90% of the time, it's, it's people r- r- running around the same house, you know, you know, trying to steal the keys from the other people. And, and literally, it's all, that's all it's taking place, really. So, uh, I, uh, I was disappointed by it. I didn't hate it. I was just kind of like, all right. Um, it, it feels like you're just finishing out the string here. So it's over. Bye-bye. Sorry. Lock and key. It's, 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 it's gone. I, I, I can't even come up with something witty right now. I just don't even want to bother. Well, as we go to close the podcast, I just have one question mm-hmm. for you, Scott. Wow. Question for me. Yeah. Is there anything Scott forgot? Uh, <laughs> First, you are going for Dan's seat. Now you're going for my seat. It's going to be the Brian podcast. All these these jokes. Why the crickets don't care for your jokes? Okay. (laughs) So, I don't, I may or may not have hinted at this on a previous podcast or two. I don't recall if I did or not. But uh, I know I've spoken about it extensively with Brian, with Jamie, um, with a few other people. So I am putting together a new podcast. That doesn't mean we're ending the STVD one. Um, 
SDVD might be slowing down a bit if we're, when we're not when we're not actually covering a specific ongoing series at the time. But this will be separate. This will be on a separate feed. It's going to be totally. It, it it will have nothing to do with STVD. The only thing it might have in common, they might they might both be on Podbean because why not use use the same one? Why well, why try another one? Um, the idea came from uh, when I was watching um, the Umbrella Academy, and I had mentioned that marvelous opening number in the very first episode of this past season, where they all do do uh, the dance number from Footloose. And I mentioned, you know, I've never seen Footloose. It's kind of weird, but I've never seen it. Actually, there's a lot of movies from the 80s I haven't seen, and most of them were, by, and generally most of them were by choice. Conversations led to the idea that, you know, it would be kind of a fun podcast. If I was to host a podcast, it would be me, and I would always have to have a, a co-host, probably would rotate it, where we would watch a movie from the eighties that I hadn't seen. And then we would talk about it on the podcast and it could be funny and snarky and whatever. It would be blessedly brief. I will have a commandment that the podcast will never go over an hour. That is where I will stick to that. Um, I, I just think it's, it would be a lot of fun. People, even if you were too young to be a child of the 80s, we you, people still seem to have a weird nostalgic feel for the 80s. And apparently there's... I came up with a list of over 360 different films from the 80s that I skipped. Look, I'm not even going to touch 95% of them. I'm not doing the sequel to Silent Night, Deadly Night. Don't worry. Um, although Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers, tempted. Um <laughs> But I, I'm I'm actually very serious about this. I I want this to be a very it's going to be a separate podcasting endeavor. Uh, I basically want to learn from all the mistakes I might have made over the years with the STBD one. Um, some of them were even mentioned in that review that we let off this podcast with. I do want to make sure I have a co-host with me where we can kind of go back and forth, kind of a silly, almost Cisco and Eberty kind of a way about it, but with more more far more conversational. Um, I haven't decided if there's going to be cursing on the podcast. I'm actually considering it not having cursing because maybe just make it just a bit more accessible. You know, I'm trying, I'm going to do what I can to make this as accessible as possible. Um, avoiding all licensing issues. I've already gotten, uh, someone I know who's a musician. Um, he's been composing an opening and closing theme for me, which is very eighties. He gave me a taste of it earlier this morning and I just loved it. It was just, it was like, Oh, that's, it's so eighties. Um, everyone I've spoken to about this is really on board with the idea. They think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, it may only be once a month, maybe twice a month. It may, it may shift, you know, from time to time. I don't know. Here's the thing. And it's what you just hinted at when you asked me about it. The only thing I haven't really decided on, outside of who's co-host in the very first episode with me, because there's a bit of controversy about that, um, I have a problem with the title. <laughs> and I've run this by, I've run it by you, Brian, and Jamie, and uh, my best friends as well, talked about it with them, and a couple other people. So one, two, three, four, five, six. Six different people I've run this by. All six people have said the same, have basically, they, they prefer one title over the other. And I'm, and you'd think I should just go along with what everyone's saying. 
but I'm still troubled by it. The title of the podcast will either be Scott Forgot the 80s or we'll get take my name out of it because you know I'm you know nobody. It could be something as simple as I forgot the 80s, which might seem a bit more all, you know, whatever. Everyone seems to think it should be Scott forgot the 80s. They like, you know, Jamie mentioned like she liked the the rhyming pattern of it and the OTOT thing and all that kind of thing. Other people said, no, it's just it's it's just funnier sounding. It just, you know, it's more memorable sounding, whatever. My cons my main concern, other than the fact who am I to put my name in the podcast, because again, nobody. But maybe that shouldn't matter. My bigger problem is everybody already misspells my name as is, because I, as everyone knows, my name is spelled Scott with one T. One T. I'm afraid of people looking for the podcast and they'll will automatically be typing Scott with two T's and thus not find it. I do realize I could probably clarify that in every podcast. I could always just say Scott with one T, which I've been saying that phrase for the last 45 plus years you know, since I first introduced myself to somebody. Um, I, I, I'm like 90% sure I will go with the Scott forgot because Jane, again, the absent Jamie, because she's busy doing her 8,000 podcasts with the J. Jack and Colleen Empire of podcasts, apparently now. Um, and they're all really good. You should listen to them all. Um, you could, she said that you can turn it into a brand because then you could make another thing like Scott forgot the 90s. Scott, you know, Scott, for, Scott forgot books. <laughs> I don't know. And I was like, uh, I don't really know if I want to do that, but I, I, I like where your head's at. I, it's not a bad idea. So this is coming together, and I think um, there's a lot of things. I, there's a lot of moving pieces I got to get in place. I got to take deal with the, uh, the the hosting site. I got to create a Facebook page. I got to create a, all all the stuff I had to do over time with the STVD. I want to try to do it all at once with this sucker. Um, <laughs> maybe even monetize the goddamn thing. I'm not saying I'm going to make any of you all out there pay for it. If that's not what I'm saying, I, I'll probably do the thing where you put a an ad on it or something or whatever. Um, so I will need people to be listening. So please listen. Um, Brian, you'll probably co-host occasionally. Mm-hmm. But no, like I, I'll be, I'll be happy to as a child of the eighties. Yeah. So hopefully what is today? Today's uh, we're at September 21st, 22nd. Um, hopefully uh, I will get this thing launched at some point. I'll just say at some point in October, I don't want to, you know, that again, there's a lot of things I still need to take care of, but hopefully sometime in October, mid October, maybe mid October, maybe Halloween. I don't know. Um, but it'll be October when I, I should be able to, to launch it. And I will say the first one will most likely be on Footloose because I feel it should be because that was the one that inspired the idea. I kind of know what I'm likely going to pick for the first few. But after that, after say like maybe the first say three, another idea I have for this, I will do, do do it on both the Facebook page and also as a on Twitter, you know, just to get as many people as possible. I will put up polls for whatever for every. I will give a selection of say three or four movies from they may be of a specific genre or director or actor or actress or some linking thing between them, and let the let the people decide what the next thing I should watch is. Or what we, or me and whoever the co-host is. The co-host has to be someone who's already seen the movie. That's the only caveat whoever, and, and be able to speak. 
that's the only caveat with whoever the co-host is. Because I need it to be someone who already has seen the movie. Now, whether they love the movie or not, that's a different story. But, you know, preferably someone who's got that those, you know, fond, whimsical, nostalgic feelings about whatever the movie was. Because I'm going to say chances are I probably won't feel the same way about it. But you never know. You never know. You know, unfortunately, in the last couple of years, I already I already knocked off the Goonies and Labyrinth, so those two will not be in the mix because they would have been really good uh, candidates otherwise. Well, I prompted you to say that because I think uh, all of us were inspired by your idea to to think about the '80s in a different way and to think about what type of movies you might pick and start angling, you know, to block each other from getting to do the ones we want to do. So <laughs> let the Machiavellian games begin. Oh yeah. It's gonna. It's funny. Cause pe- when I mentioned it on like my, my Facebook page, it'd be funny. Cause then you had people who kept throwing out movies at me, but there were movies. Of course I've seen that, you know, right. Like, you know, like the Princess Bride. Oh my God, I've seen Princess Bride a million times. Or Ghost. I'm like, no. I said, let me make it clear. There are movies I made a conscious decision not to see because I was an obnoxious, you know, know it all. Well, I still am. Um, <laughs> I was a snot. Well, I still am. But I, there were just movies I just didn't want to see because I thought, you know, then I didn't like the idea of seeing something that looked like cheese, that, that looked kind of the schlocky or stupid. I hated things that were based around kids, you know, outside of E.T. or Stand By Me. Wait, this movie revolves around kids? Don't want to see it. Wait, this movie revolves around teenagers? Don't want to see it. I didn't care for fantasy movies very much in the 80s. So that, that whole segment, you can go on and on with, you know, with, you know outside of a couple, couple of Conan movies. If there were swords involved, I probably didn't see it, you know. A lot of the, 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 the sillier sci-fi movies of the 80s, you know, once you get past, you know, Aliens or Terminator, eh, guess what? Probably didn't see it. Like I said, 360 movies. You know, Tom Cruise is in it. Probably didn't see it. No, anyway. At, uh, <laughs> as we get older, sometimes we become less dogmatic, even if we're still an asshole. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that'll be coming in. And uh, I was just actually talking with Brian just before we started recording. Uh, I will probably, even though maybe I don't need to after what I just did, there's a possibility I might re- record something which I would refer to as like a podcast zero, like a, a, a fairly brief podcast. Um, th- that's also for the uninitiated who don't have never heard me on the STVD. A little introduction to me and what the whole premise of the podcast is going to be. So that way I never have to talk about that on any future podcast and thus will help in terms of brevity. So it isn't a podcast as long as, like, say, this one has been. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, so... I think we've done a good job tonight, Scott, and it's about time to wrap this one up and leave people waiting for part two. I think you're absolutely right. And hopefully if they like this podcast, you know it. Hopefully they'll also like hanging out on our Facebook page. It's the Series TV Drama Podcast page. Like the page and join the conversation about pretty much all the shows that we mentioned here and any other TV series or, you know, talk about anything pop culture related. Uh, I won't. I probably won't kick you out. You can find this podcast. You you know, well, pretty much everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other places. But best of all, you can just go to stvdpodcast.podbean.com where you can find all 360, this week, 363 of our podcasts can be found there, unlike anywhere else. You can follow us on Instagram. Be nice if somebody did. Um, 
or think there is serious TV drama. I don't know if I'm going to do an Instagram page for the other thing. I, I don't know if I, I don't, does a podcast really need an Instagram page? I don't know. I don't think I'm going to do one. I think you should wait and see how it goes. Yeah, that's it, it. Yeah, uh, Twitter is important. Instagram, I don't know. Especially because I'm going to try to, I'm, I'm, like I told you, I'm probably going to avoid using uh, photographs. So I'm, I'm, I want to avoid all licensing issues. But you can follow us on Instagram at Serious TV Drama. You can follow us on Twitter as well. And that's at STVD Podcast. That's STVD as in Serious TV Drama. And you know what? If you want to email us, it's happened once. <laughs> STVD Podcast at gmail.com. I got to think do I, if I need to come up with an email address for that thing, too. Eh, probably. It'd be Scott Forgot at gmail.com. <laughs> There you go. See, who wouldn't remember? But Scott with one T. Don't that, put two. That's the that's the one. Don't put problem. two. Yeah, I have to, I, 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 two, I have to so. keep beating that. Anyway, I th- I thanked you at the beginning of the podcast. I'm going to thank you at the end of it as well. Thank you so much for joining me on this trip down memory lane of the last couple months of TV watching, and we will be getting together maybe in a weekish or so, yep. something like that, where we will get into the shows that we've been watching on, once again, on Disney, HBO, HBO, HBO Max, and Hulu. Oh, boy. Um, there are some shows there that we really have been wanting to talk about for quite some time, so that should be a fun one for everybody as well. And with that, uh, Brian, would you like to say goodnight first? Yeah, and, I, and I'll say I just want to add a, a little bit to say, if we didn't talk about a show... Uh, it doesn't mean we didn't like it. It it may mean we haven't seen it. Uh, so if you know if what if you want to give us some feedback about shows on any of the services we've talked about, uh, feel free to do so on the Facebook page. You might hip us to a show that that we haven't seen. But I look forward to talking about uh, the next batch of shows. Scott and I consume a lot of this stuff, talk about it, and think about it, and uh, and we hope that anything. Uh, that we share maybe inspires you to watch something that that you appreciate or enjoy and uh so thanks for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you soon couldn't have said it better myself and you you're twice as concise as i ever am thank you brian thank you guys for listening look for looking forward to talking to you again next week good night all mm-hmm.